Welcome back, everybody, to Three Men and the Babies. Three dads, three rodent scenarios. Here, as always, with Benny and Adam. Hello, boys. Oh, sorry, mate. Hello. I wasn't paying attention. I was just watching the uh, the Buccaneers boat parade because we won the oh, Super Bowl sake. on Sunday. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Did you know that? Did you see it? To be fair, to be fair, we can't. And you know what? I'm actually pleased for you, Benny. Because of all the people I know, I think you have the least sporting success of any of your teams. And me and you follow at least three teams and have a passing interest in maybe two or three others as well. And you've <laughs> easily had the least amount of success. So I can't begrudge uh, you, the, I can't all... begrudge you. I hope you enjoy it. I, I don't know what you're talking about, to be honest, because I spent Sunday uh, watching Spring Watch because I heard there was some superb owls on there. For God's sake. <laughs> I quit. I quit the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. We're done. It's been a good run. We had a good, good run, night, boys. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, we had a good run. But now you're right, anyway. Mike. The teams that I support are all mostly terrible. Like, I've supported the Buccaneers yeah. for like 15 years, and we've had, not including this year, two of those years have been good, I'm sure. Yeah, it's about that, isn't it? You're, and you've had no playoff success or anything for the longest no. time. So, yeah, can't begrudge you, mate. Can't begrudge you. Uh, I was very happy Sunday night. Very tired Monday morning. Yeah, but you, you'll take it. You'll take it, won't you? You don't mind. Anyway. Oh, definitely. How was uh, how was how was your weeks? Anything uh, anything interesting? Uh no. It's, it never ends. <laughs> like all of lockdown, it's just continual. It's an eternity of just the same homeschooling, making a lunch, going for a walk. Coming back, watching Spider-Man, playing Minecraft or Roblox, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I, I'm I'm done with it now. I'm done with lockdown. From have you not gone? On, we're, if... we're we're out. We're just standing outside the house, <laughs> uh, two meters apart from everyone. <laughs> have you not gone crazy yet and like decided to shave your head or anything or something mental like that? <laughs> right. No word of a lie. I was considering that this morning. <laughs> no way. I was thinking to myself, you know what? I, it's been absolutely ages since I've just shaved my head. Completely shaved all the hair off. <laughs> I used to do that now and then. Why yeah, you did, I yeah. do consider doing that? Oh my God, no. It was fine back then when I was like 10 stone lighter than I am now. <laughs> Now, no, that wouldn't be a good look for me. So no, no. I, I was saying to someone earlier, I feel like I've gone all the way through cabin fever and come back around to being sane again, but now I'm starting that journey again, <laughs> getting into <laughs> cabin fever, because it, it has been nearly a year for me just sat in this house on my own, apart from when I've got the kids around. Ugh. Yeah, it's true. At least I get to go to work and stuff. Yeah. You're not alone in wanting to shave your head, though, Adam. I th- I think about it like, every now and then. It's like, especially in a time where you can't go get your hair cut. I'm just, I just think like it'd be so much easier if I just, I got my like, my beard trimmer, stick it onto yeah. like the highest setting, and just go to town on it. I've been cutting my hair for years because of Adam. Because yes, I went on to Adam's one day and we were messing up until we were talking about something, and he and I said, "When did you cut? Who like? When did you get your hair cut?" He said, oh, "I just did it myself." I said, no way, do you, you cut your own hair? He's like, yeah. He says, why not? And I remember you saying it was like five pounds for a haircut, yet you could buy a pair of clippers for about 12 quid. And he said, so they just pay for themselves. And that was 
hang on, 16, 24, no, sorry, probably 23, 22 years ago. And I've been cutting my own hair ever since. And I'm at the point yeah. now where I can I can grade it and it never looks wonky and it's fine. As long as like I get Sarah or George to just spot me at the back and just, you know, so I've not missed any lumps or anything, it's fine. So I don't even have to, yeah, I, I didn't kind of ever worry about that either. Because if I fancy cutting my hair, I'll just cut it and it's kind of okay and neat. But I always think, I think everyone should do that, especially guys. Just cut your own hair. Who cares? I seriously risked doing myself injury, like just accidentally partially slicing an ear off. Like using just like my little beard trimmer around like the sideburns and my beard. He's, he's worrying enough. The number of times I've actually cut my nostrils when I'm trimming my mustache. <gasps> oh my God, that's so yeah. painful. Oh my oh, yeah. God. It's the worst. I got a, oh, I got a little nose set of nose hair clippers. For some reason, I have, like, rampant nose hair. Why? Why do I have that? <laughs> I don't know what that's for. I don't understand. I understand that pain. But, oh, my God. If you if you ever take a pair of scissors to it, sometimes, just if, it, in a, you know, if you're in a pinch, you're like, Ooh. oh, just get that one hair with a little pair of scissors, and you just catch the inside of your nose. Oh, my God. Like, makes your eyes water immediately. Just the pain. Yes. Horrific. Yeah. Horrific. So it's connected to the tear duct. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's the same as... Oh, can I, oh, I don't know if I can say that or not. <laughs> I say it now. All right. Yeah, see, and I've said that. I have to say it. It's the same as when you're shaving downstairs. If you're not careful. What? When you're shaving your... Uh, yeah, not downstairs in the house. It's the same as when oh. you're shaving downstairs in your body. Yeah, not like in the cellar, because <laughs> it's <legs>. dark. <laughs> no. no, I was just taking a trimmer to the carpet and just getting it at an even level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're shaving downstairs and you, you just catch a nut or something oh my god and it oh, just does god, that yeah it just kind of goes oh. like that quickly oh my god <laughs> ow ow if you're going for a fine Suddenly cut anyway starts trimming flesh it's, oh it's yeah a bad sign. oh it's terrible <laughs> it hurts so much oh the pain i myself i use a safety razor so it's, it's the one with the actual razor blade in it and you just like put it on a handle and it's got like a, a safety cover on it but it is still just a razor so when you are trimming or, or, or shaving certain areas with tremors <laughs> it makes it a lot worse <laughs> it's, it's terrible and the, the number of times I, I've done this stereotypical like 50 tiny bits of tissue paper on the face <laughs> like, tiny squares <laughs> TV sitcom dad rushing out to work late sorry dear I can only drink half of this glass of orange juice and one bite of this muffin that you made fresh this morning I'm in a rush I have to leave the house. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had the stereotypical tissue paper on your balls or something. <laughs> That's what I thought well, you were going to how say. Else, how else are you supposed to wipe them clean? That's a fair point. After you've That's gone to the loo. That's a good point. That's You'll a good point. Always have it on. <laughs> you know, when right. they dangle in the toilet bowl water, you have to dry them off somehow. <laughs> like droopy's ears. They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Eight minutes off the rails already. <laughs> Here's a question. Right, right. In, 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 no, oh, in some news, I and I'm I'm admitting this to you now because I haven't mentioned this in like our group chat, but oh, I am currently on week two running Ooh. of Couched 5K. Oh, all right. Well done. Uh, I, I am Good job, mate. doing... The I want to live to a bit longer to see my kids grow a bit older phase of my life now. And so thanks to some support from some very wonderful people, I, I'm out there now. They've really encouraged me to get out and 
start jogging. And I, I chose the best week to start because it snowed <laughs> every morning here. Yeah. And so basically, I've just been doing doing what kids do when the like the snow around and they just like skid the feet back and <laughs> forwards, like pretending they're a train. I've just been doing that like around the neighborhood <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning. It's lovely. I actually feel really good about it for having run. <laughs> I actually, I've got to do it tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to it. And I don't know why, because it's getting up at six in the morning when it's snowy to go <laughs> for a run. So that that's my piece of news this week. It is a weird thing. You do, you you feel like you've accomplished something, and that sound. I know that sounds like it might sound silly to some people, but I I get the same as you. I exercise a lot to maintain <laughs> what is perfectly honest a distinctly average look. I am not, you know, I just, and that's because my diet is terrible and I don't sleep. Those two things, like, to, to look like, to look like um, fucking Mac out of Sonny when, it, when he went through his transformation, you have to be insanely oh. dedicated and eat properly and not sort of, you know, and get nine hours sleep every night. People no, don't, don't realise that. that transform, I managed his transformation really well, really <laughs> yeah. easily, minimal effort. <laughs> <laughs> well done. The, the transition we're talking about the transition where he got really fat yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> yeah. like people don't realize the the kind of the dedication that like bodybuilders and stuff like that have to have it's so strict and so regimented and i have known guys who have been natural they've competed like in all natural events and they will say oh, yeah like I, I go to bed at seven o'clock at night because i have to sleep i have to have eight nine ten hours and they will nap after the exercise and stuff like that to recover their body and stuff. I can't do any of that. I just can't do it. No. I, I like being awake too much, and I like eating too much. So, but I get what you're saying. On a Saturday morning, I always do a big exercise because Saturday is my cheat day. I absolutely, I absolutely hate it. Those five seconds before I start, I just think, why don't I just not do it today? I'll just not do it. <laughs> Who gives a shit? No one's even looking at me. No one cares what I look like. I'm not in the papers. I'm not. I don't have to maintain anything. I but I just now I'm at the point where I just can't I can't not do it now I'm in my own head with it and I can't not do it. But once I've done yeah. it, like you say, you do the the endorphin rush of that kind of feeling. It is true. You do feel that kind of. You do. And like yeah. you say, first thing in the morning as well. Before most people are awake, you get to kind of it's nice and quiet when you go on those little runs. Oh yeah, mate, well done. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well done to you, mate. Good I mean, for you. I mean, I I only just wake up like halfway through the the run, <laughs> like properly. <laughs> That's why I'm doing it, the first thing, because I'm like, my my mind isn't in any type of condition to say yes or no to anything. So <laughs> I'm just point. running completely automated. You can't argue with me, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th- this is coming from someone as well. I I was really out of shape, and then I got really in shape, Yeah, and then got really out of shape again so i did that big swing where i i was like 19 stone i think at my heaviest and got down to 11 and then i'm back up to whatever 100 kilos is in stone now and and i'm bringing that off quite balanced and again it's down to bad diet and stuff like that but to tie it into obviously what this podcast is about one of the impetuses for it is my little girl just going you're really fat, aren't you, Dad? I'm like, yeah, I am. This is like the fifth time you've told me just today. I'm going to do something about it now. Because little Daisy, she's she's very honest and open. And, and I don't chide her for that, you know, when she's talking to me. 
<laughs> if she was saying that about a stranger, I would. But when she talks to me, she's pointing out a fact, so I can't really argue Daisy's against that. Daisy's got no chill. That. So it's like, yeah, all right. No, she hasn't. She's she's a very harsh critic of her dad. Oh, uh, Benny, Benny, you want the truth, mate? Ask a child. Good. So simple. exactly, yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, you want the truth? Oh, ask God. a child. Yeah, the number of times I've had to like kind of slightly brush something under the carpet that she's asked about so as not to offend like someone who's in a wheelchair or uh, someone who's got dwarfism and that she sees and just goes, uh, why is that person so small? Or <laughs> why aren't they walking? It's just... I could, I could lose count, really. A number of times I've had to do stuff like that with her and with my other kids because that is just what they're like. And I kind of feel bad doing that. I don't know if, if you've ever come across that, Danny, like having to kind of save face, but also not want to not answer or say your kid's curiosity. Um, I don't think so. I, You know what normally happens? What normally happens is, is because she's a kid, she will stare mm-hmm. at somebody who <laughs> looks different to, to what society deems will be normal. Like you say, for example, yeah. I will take an example of like somebody in a wheelchair I remember the first time she saw somebody in a wheelchair and she was like just looking at them really quizzically. So I just had to kind of hold her hand and say, George, don't don't look, don't stare. And then as we walk away, I'll just start talking to her about it and telling her about it. So that's all that happens. It's the same if she sees somebody who has Down syndrome or somebody else who has any, you know, any kind of other mental or physical disability. Uh, I will just uh, say to her, okay, this is why this person is like this. And I think that, as, as we've mentioned before, sort of the parenting styles of now are way different. Whereas we'll just tell our kids, okay, this is what the problem is. This is why they are like this. I remember talking to, we literally spoke this weekend about autism. I cannot remember, I cannot remember why we even got into the mm. conversation. But I was talking to, we were talking about disability or something. And I said, well, there's, there's disabilities as well, Georgia, that you can't see. So somebody might be disabled. You might not know because it's a mental disability. And I explained that my ex's brother was autistic. And I said, autism is a, a, a condition where X, Y, and Z can happen. I said, so, and that was just, you know, we just kind of got into that conversation and I wanted to explain it to her. And that's, yeah, like, like I said, that's been the same with anything else. If, if we see somebody who is perceived to look different or something like that, then mm. I'll just sort of, you know, don't stare and I'll, I'll talk to her about it. But she's she still but she will still I don't know, I think maybe she's just curious or it's not a thing because she's like oh my god she never has said that I think she's just curious and you know what as well actually there's a lad who lives who lives uh, up the road from where we live and we've seen him in town before and he dresses you know he wears he's not trying to be a woman but he just dresses like he'll mm. wear like floral shirts and wear makeup and do his hair differently and things like that. And she's just said to me, like, why is that boy wearing girls' clothes? And I'm just like, because that's how he yeah. feels comfortable. And she's just go, oh, okay. And that's it. There's no... Yeah. Like, you know, you just don't, make, just don't make a thing of it. He just feels comfortable in those clothes. So that's it. Who cares? And she go, oh, okay. And then we just move on to the next thing. There's, it's nothing. It's nothing, you know. And it isn't anything. And it shouldn't be anything. But, yeah, that's, that's, how, we, that's how we kind of handle it. Yeah, I think, I think that's uh, the best way, really. I, I always kind of... I'm a, I'm a bit sensitive of that person... Because I know some people who wouldn't mind, you know, a kid asking questions of them directly. But there is always that thing of like, 
are, are they going to be sensitive to people like whispering in hushed tones and, and not wanting to be reminded of the fact that they are different in a way? It's like me, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I suffer from tremors and that can get quite bad in my neck sometimes. I make my, my hands and my, my head shake quite badly. And people kind of get quite sensitive when they ask me. And I myself am just like, oh yeah, it's just caused by this and the, the, this is why I do it. And they go, oh, oh, okay. And they almost sound kind of relieved that I'm I'm quite fine answering. I, I kind of see where they're coming from because I feel that same way about... I don't want to offend that person. And likewise, I don't want to upset my kid by making them feel bad for being curious and for identifying this difference and wanting to know more about it. It's a weird thing. I don't know how to approach it in the best way. For Do you know what it is? I, everyone's face. I, I genuinely don't think, even if somebody... Uh, Christ, I'm really projecting here. I have no idea, and I don't even know why I think this, but I can only go off my experiences with my mum, who ended up like paralysed and that kind of thing, that people would just ask me, or they would just ask her. And I think if Georgia went over to somebody and said, can I ask you a question? And if they said, yeah, and they, she said, why are you in a wheelchair? I don't think they would mind. I think they would just mm. be okay. As long as you ask the question respectfully... And as long as you are yeah. being genuine about it, I, I don't think... I mean, maybe there would be people who might... I mean, who the hell am I to say? I don't know. But only from my personal experiences. And then also because of where mum, when she lived in a care home, being around people who were in wheelchairs and talking to their mm-hmm. families and stuff, it just came across as like, okay, as long as people are just genuine and honest, <laughs> there's no issue. It's it's fine. And, and ch- the, p- people understand what children are like. Children are, you know, like you say... Daisy saying to you, oh, Dad, you're kind of fat, aren't you? Like, that's just what kids yeah. are going to do. They're just going to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if, if you've got a disability or something, you just expect that kids are going to look at you. But, yeah, it is tough. It is tough. It is. I feel like it I is. feel like when baby comes, I'm going to start doing 30-minute runs every day so I so avoid being mocked by the child. <laughs> child mockery is get, horrific. And just get away from the kid for a bit as well. Give yourself a bit of peace and quiet. Speak- you no, know, it works out both ways. Speaking of child, do you two want a uh, mini baby update? Yes. Shit, mini mini explosions. Bu- hang on, let me put a timestamp in here. Ready for the expl- <laughs> Did you hear the explosions last time? Were they okay? But that, that was just to, uh, what I wanted, yeah, just what I wanted ex- from my explosions and air horns, yes. Right, baby update. <laughs> so we had the 28-week scan last Thursday. Nothing um, major to report, just uh, everything is looking happy and healthy, measurements taken. Blossom was very, like, um, not so much annoyed, but when we had the 20-week scan, she felt like the, is it nurse, I don't know if it's a nurse or midwife or whatever who does the scan, sonographer. She was um, very vague about uh, the gender, and I've been telling everyone that it's going to be a girl. I've told you, I've told everyone who dares to listen that it's going to be a girl, and she keeps saying Mm. to me, we don't know that for sure. Stop telling everyone it's a girl. She said, and I said, the lady said it's a girl. It's probably going to be a girl. So when we went for the twenty-eight week scan, the first thing she said was, "Can you just double check what is got down down there, if you would please double down on girlness? Can't okay. see anything extra, so that means it's a girl. We're ninety-nine percent sure that on at the end of April we are having a girl. 
So it's a boy then. So a boy, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's what it'll be. <laughs> right. Well, I've done this the room. This is a bit now. of an, an old wives' tale, but how is she carrying the baby? Is it is it quite high or is it quite low? Low. Okay. I don't know which is which. But <laughs> one and one is the other. Yeah. If we can get some old the... wives to correspond. Yeah, can we get go. some old I'm wives? I'm just going to go to uh, old, the old wives category on Pornhub and see, <laughs> <laughs> see what they say. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, wrong. no. Forget that. I bought. I bought. Carrying baby low. Hmm. Well, at the top I of... heard. I always heard it was low and at the like low and at the front was essentially a boy. That in theory, yeah. if the woman stands with her back to you and you can't see she's pregnant, it's a boy. Whereas if she had a back yeah. to you, but you could kind of tell it was more likely going to be a girl because it kind of spreads out more when yeah. it's a girl. That's the kind of, I don't know, again, it's an old wives' tale. <laughs> Who the hell knows? But for some strange reason, a lot of the results are just about a woman's comfort oh. during pregnancy if they're carrying their baby quite low. That's not what I'm interested in. I want to know <laughs> old wives' tales and myths. And yes, yeah, yeah, I can I can correspond with that. It is, it is a oh, boy good. if they're carrying low, apparently. Now, the the reason I say that as, as an old wives' tale is, for my case, for all three kids, it was true. Both uh-huh. girls were high and the boy was low. Because obviously <laughs> the balls and the dick are heavy. <laughs> baby down. That's the only difference I can see. Well, the, the thing is, like... Just, just bigging big up my uh, Blot- genetics there. Uh. If you look at <laughs> Blossom's belly, like the, the top of it is very, like hard so to speak but she's feeling a lot more especially i forgot to mention as well she's starting to feel a lot more she's getting kicked in the belly a lot nowadays mm. which is great news but she's yeah. she feels like all these movements really low but and like the, the nurse as well like it's kind of laying like diagonally it was on the day like kind of like on the hoof, as we say in the suffolk yeah also, another thing with with the uh, with the scan, um, with the measurements <laughs> and whatnot, and I re- I find it really interesting that they in uh, Blossom's birth and book thing, so or a file, they plot out on a graph like what the size of the baby's going to be. I didn't realize they did that, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, I followed the lines yes. on the graph, and I uh, I scared her Thursday afternoon by saying, uh, "Well, if I follow these lines, it looks like it's going to come out about nine pound." And suddenly, uh, all the colour drained from her face. <laughs> and with good Nine cause, I would bacon. say. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was about that when I was born, mm. if I remember my mum telling me, right, but I was a couple of weeks late. That's what I always put towards it. She's uh, a bit worried about that now. I mean... But everything is good. I also got to hear the uh, the blood going through the umbilical cord, which apparently is just like the heartbeat, so I'm counting that as hearing yeah. the heartbeat. As well. Well done, mate. Good update. Good update. We like to hear it. All good oh, stuff. Good. All good stuff. I only, I only thought that was going to be a little, but it ended up being quite a substantial baby update. Baby updates should yeah. always should always be uh, should always be big and expansive. It's good. We like a big baby update, not a little one, Benny. Yes. <laughs> not not an update about <laughs> literally a, a big giant baby. baby. Yeah, no. a giant baby. We, we want it to be comfortably sized, like something like the goodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, oh, so here's what I did this right, weekend, right? As I uh, I put this on Facebook and Adam had the uh, the shocked emoji face to it, was that uh, I got Sarah for the first time ever to watch the film Alien, as she'd never seen it before. Ugh. I know, I know. <laughs> this got me to thinking, though, right? 
and this and to tie this into to kids as well are either of you of the opinion that there are there are things that are culturally culturally relevant that your children should be aware about when it comes to and, and again i mean things that aren't necessarily deemed important things like films or music or tv shows or art or something like that do you do either of you believe that there are things where you think okay you should have seen this or you should hear this it's actually kind mm. of important i'm always trying to get georgia to I'm always trying to kind of press on her the importance of listening to other... Th- like, she likes pop music, and that's fine. She's a little girl, of course. She's, I have no issue with that. Mm. But I, she, I've she, i got her to like rock music. So she loves Queens of the Stone Age. She likes Metallica. She likes Nirvana, stuff like that. I've been trying to get her to sort of appreciate classical music. So I keep... When she goes to bed at night, I'm like, just listen to half an hour. So I'll put on, like, Beethoven or Mozart or something, because I like classical music. I mm-hmm. think it's important to hear these things. Mm. And I just wondered if either of you have thought there was sort of anything culturally relevant that, okay, you should see this or you should hear this kind of thing. Baby girl Benny is going to watch the first six seasons of The Simpsons like in one go. <laughs> so she understands how important it is to us, how important it was to us and how important it will be to her. And then I'll realise as we're watching that actually like a lot of the stuff back in those early days was not child-friendly. And also that leads to further cultural references that you'll need to then show to her so she can understand. Exactly. And they'll all be from, like, the 70s. <laughs> because that, that's what they pulled that from. A short answer is no. I don't think so nowadays. I, I think kids have access to so much more stuff than we did as kids that I would say it's probably hard to find kids who regularly watch kind of mainstream TV nowadays. Like, any terrestrial British TV. I bet, apart from one or two shows, no kids watch it at all. And same with films. I, d- I don't think any kid is going to be looking at, like, uh, and unless they've got a particular interest that they've gathered from the parent, uh, they're going to be interested in an- any films kind of prior to, like, 2000. Because what's the point? When you can watch Twitch, you can go on YouTube, you can talk to your friends on Discord, you can, you've got access to so much other stuff beyond just TV and film. Why bother? And, and therefore, why have that kind of cult, those cultural touchstones when they aren't relevant to what you, the content you mainly consume anyway? That's, as, as that's an a example, good point. my, my kids, have been watching with me, my elder kids, not Daisy, obviously, we've been watching some of the more kind of adult cartoons that are on Netflix. And historically for us, that was things like Simpsons mm-hmm. and then Family Guy in South Park and that, that range of stuff. But they're looking at the more modern ones. Oh, I forget the the name of the most recent one, but it's... Big, uh, Big Mouth. It's Big, Big Mouth. Mouth, that's it. And it's a group of teenagers all going through puberty and what have you. And they love that show. And that has some references to some stuff because it's written by people like R.A. Same with Bob's Burgers. My daughter absolutely adores that show. It's the one thing she'll watch over and over and over again to the point where she's got, like, she makes drawings of it. She's got artwork from it up on a bedroom wall. She's got, like, clothes with the stuff on, all that kind of stuff. 
And that has reference to cultural touchstones that we recognize, again, because it's written by those people. Same way Simpsons did. <laughs> to the point where I had to show them Die Hard because it's referenced so heavily during one of the episodes <laughs> where the kids at the school put on a Die Hard musical crossed with some other old film that I can't remember the name of. And all the way through, they were like, oh my god, this is just like this bit in Bob's Burgers, where they talk about this. And oh my god, this bit was in it. And it's like, yeah, okay, that is a cultural touchstone, but they didn't need to see that. They didn't need to see Die Hard to understand that. They just understand it's funny because of what it is. So I I don't think so. I don't think it's that relevant anymore. I I would love it if, if we could, but like, my son, he loves Star Wars, but only the most recent three films. Which annoys the fuck out of me, because they're the worst. <laughs> but he enjoys them so much, because that was something we did together, and it was a shared experience, and we went to the cinema to see all of them, and we had a great time, and so he enjoys that, mostly because of the memory. But the previous films don't mean anything to him. He just watches it as that kind of closed-off trilogy. Which to me is weird. <laughs> but yeah I'll let I mean I'll, I'll let Ben answer this first but I mean how did like things like works of art or you know I mean I've got, this is just the first thing that popped into Japan you know stuff like the Mona Lisa or the Sistine Chapel or you know sort of things that have the reason the reason I brought up classical music is because this is going to sound like such a fucking pretentious thing to say and I I am very very sorry I'm going to say it but in my opinion, Beethoven's Ninth <laughs> Symphony is, in my opinion, the most important piece of music ever created. And I was watching a, a YouTube show on it by somebody who can break down classical music into certain parts. I mean, somebody who's like really and really involved in it. Not like I'm just like casual person. I listen to it now and again, but they were breaking it down and saying, "Look, listen to this section here, and then listen." To, it was like a Jay Z song or a bloody Timbaland beat or something like that. <laughs> and you were like, "Oh yeah." That's that. That's that's insane. Like that. That's the same. Practically the same thing. I'm not just talking about TV shows or films. I'm like, what you would consider higher culture. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That kind of artsy fartsy mm. stuff. Which one was Be- Which one is Beethoven's Ninth? Just one Yeah. Oh yes, classic. It goes. Benny, I couldn't even hum it if I tried. Right, you you need to because it'll be free use. It's pretty old song and public domain. I think you can splice it in now. Splicey, splicey. Oh yeah, that was beautiful work. See, I told you it was that one. Oh my god, I'm moved. I am moved. Almost to tears. Going back, going to my experience, Ocon, like you say, like classical music, artsy fartsiness. Again, maybe it's because I'm a little bit younger than you two. I learned a lot of this sort of information from, I'm probably going to date myself by saying this. You guys might have known it, you might not. Did you have Encarta? (laughs) No. On your uh, old school computers? Encarta was like a little disc, it was like a CD. Which was basically a um, a pre Wikipedia. Yeah, it was Wikipedia now, basically back in the day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I learnt about works of art, about like Picasso, about 
I always, I always, always looked at the um, the screen by Edvard Munch on there. Pronunciation, nice. Music by Beethoven, Mozart. Really like um, my classical music. I has always been Chopin, especially when it's a classic music question on University Challenge. My answer is always Chopin, and like one out of ten times, it's right. So that's always good. <laughs> I think uh, it's like you've got to know where we've come from to figure out where we've been to the future. Like you say, like these old. These old classical music informs the music of today. And the same with art. Art of the past informs art of today. Although art of today is just like throwing a bit of ham at a white canvas and saying that's art. So maybe not so much. But that's all Andy Warhol's fault. He's, he's the one at fault for that. I don't know. I mean, I, I learned all about classical music. And I do also have a great appreciation for it. Uh, I, I learned all of it from uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons <laughs> and Warner Brothers cartoons yes, that I fantastic. watched as a kid. Now, unless people are going to be putting that in like Teen Titans Go or Hey Dougie and having like mandatory classical music lessons within Roblox, I don't think a lot of kids are going to pick up those those touchstones in that way. They'll be exposed to it naturally through education. But I think in the media that they consume, I don't think they will. Do they still teach music in would school? Would they be taught? Yeah, they would, actually. You're right. You are right. They would be taught that through education, wouldn't they? I mean, to yeah. a degree. No, you're right. Yeah, like, you are I, right. You're I right. mean, dur- during art, I at secondary school, I can't remember us being told, right, here are some classic artists, and this is why they did their work. It wasn't art history. Mm. It was, right, here's how to paint a vase. And and things like that. Here's how to do shading. It was more the practical side. But then, if if we Dan, if we look back from our time in college, like during photography and stuff like that, we did learn about you know different photographers like Ansel Adams and what have you, yeah, uh, right. and have that opportunity to study their works so it could inform the work that we were doing. But I th- I think. Look, you know, looking from a media consumption point of view, there is so much more out there, and there is so much creativity as a response that kids are going to find though that inspiration from the the media that they consume. And instead of being old classical cartoons that relied on classical music, it's people doing YouTube videos about opening <laughs> boxes with toys in. And that's not necessarily the worst thing because it is inspiring kids to be creative and to utilise that media and to copy and learn and improve upon the stuff that they see, which is the same thing. It's just not separated by a lot of time and it's not what a lot of people would deem classic. No, you're right. That's a good point, mate. That is a really good point. I just remembered something that happened today, which was kind of a one of mine and George's semi-serious chats that we just seem to stumble into now and again. And we were, she was doing her schoolwork and she asked me a really basic question. I mean, something that I was like, I was just thinking, okay, I know you know this, but you're just asking me because you're being lazy. And she was, it was just, uh, I can't be bothered to think of the answer. Can you just tell me the answer kind of question? And I just kind of had a a bit of a semi-serious chat with her. So I just said, George, okay, you should know these things already. Okay, and I know that you're going to think that I'm going on at you about doing your schoolwork. But I said, why do you have to do your schoolwork? And she said, to be clever. I said, right. I said, why is it important to be clever? And she said, well, so people don't think I'm stupid. I said, right. I said, why else is it? She said, well, so I can get a good job and make lots of money. 
And I said, and this is where I had to kind of, I was like, no, that's not why I want you to be clever. I said, I want you to be clever so that when you make a decision, you are as informed as you can be that it's the right decision. And I said to her, listen, George, I said, if you want to grow up in a massive house and have loads of money and go on 10 holidays a year and drive the fastest car and all that kind of thing, you're going to have to work hard for it and you're going to have to study and you're going to have to sacrifice things. There might be parties that your friends are going to that you can't go to because you've got an exam the next day. Things like that. I said, if you want to grow up and be a a refuse collector, if you want to be somebody who works on a a till at Tesco, if you just want to be somebody who, I don't know, just just a job that seemingly anybody could do, but that makes you happy, I am totally fine with that. I just want you to be happy. I said, but I don't want you to not try, not make the effort. And then when you get to 25, think, oh, what do I do now? Oh, shit. Mm. I really should have thought about this before kind of thing. I said, that's why I want you to work hard. Not because I want you to be rich. I don't care if you're rich or not. I just want you to be happy. And that's why I'm having this chat. I just want you to have enough knowledge in your brain that you can make the decisions that you know are best for you. That's why. And I was wondering like, how many parents maybe put, mm. put pressure on their kids to do something that they think is the right thing to do. Like, for example, oh, well, I hope he turns out to be a doctor. I hope he turns out to be a lawyer. I hope he turns out to be, I don't know, whatever, a professional footballer and all the kind of pressures that come with that. I just want her to be happy. That's all I want. I don't really care what she does in regards to work as long as she's happy doing it. Yeah. I was going to say, that whole uh, speech you gave to Georgia was gold. I need to write that down. Add it to my list of uh, child chats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to release a book after we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I, I think I suffered from that a bit uh, myself. Uh, like, not to disparage my mum at all, because I love her dearly, and she gave me the push that I need sometimes back then but when i was kind of uh early 20s i wasn't too sure what i wanted to actually do and my mum had always suggested you should be a teacher because you you come across in that way really well so she encouraged me to do that and push me towards it and i think i i recognized at a time like a couple of years maybe before i actually started training to be a teacher which i'm not now it's not something I really wanted to do. But I couldn't think of anything else that I wanted to do. So rather than exploring different options, I just sat on this track of, okay, that that's what I'm going to be. Because that, that is a path that I've been working towards. And I'll go that way. And it was only once I started doing it that I realised, you know what, I really don't enjoy this. I have to just stop now. Uh, and then fell into a completely different career, which has left, left me where I am right now. And I think that that pressure can be good in a way because it can offer your child structure. It, it can offer them a direction when they may feel that they don't have one. But likewise, it could keep them on a track where maybe the best thing is for them to spread their wings. So I think you have to find that fine balance. I've always said to my kids, whatever you want to do, I'm I'm happy with. I don't want to pressure you into a role as long as you're safe. But then part of me thinks, well, that's not enough of a push for them to actually do well and get a good career. Like, I honestly don't mind if, if they end up 
like in a job like mine or, you know, in a job where they're working retail or customer service or something like that, as long as it's given them enough money and happiness to pursue a life that they're happy with. But of course, I will want my kids to do super well and and reach that kind of higher bar career-wise because it's ingrained into me, I think, that that is what they should be aiming towards. So I'm trying to fight against that, but I recognise by maybe fighting against it too much, I'm not pushing them enough. I don't know. It's it hard is hard. One. It's really hard. Because, and this is something you'll, this is something you'll kind of get to understand, Benny, as well as like, you can do all the things in the world correct, and your kid can just go <laughs> complete 90 degree left turn one day, and you're just like, where the hell did that come from? That's not what I taught you. That's not what we did. And it, and it could be anything. But I was going to say, like, I think it's, I mean, I don't know if Adam agrees to this or not, but for Georgia, it's really good because my wife's got, one of my wife's best friends has a daughter called Katie, who's 17, who is an absolute, I mean, absolute <laughs> megastar, and megastar. If she ever hears this, Katie, you're fucking awesome, mate. You are absolutely awesome. She is, she got a job at 14, has bought her own car with her own money, saved up the whole time. She is training to be I can't remember the name of it, but she's doing something to do with biochemistry, which is, I mean, like when she tells me things, I'm just, my mind is, I have no clue what she's saying to me. No clue. But this kid is super smart. She works hard. I mean, like, like I said, she, she, if she's not doing college work to get ready to go to uni, she's working at her job, like her Saturday job at the cafe. And she does as many hours as she can. And like I said, she's bought, I don't know any kids that are not, you know, obviously not, they're not given cars by their parents, but, like, but just bought their own car at 17 with their own money outright that they'd saved up themselves. Yeah. Like, just I mean, absolutely some, amazing. I mean, there's some grown-ups that haven't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of grown-ups who are just yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I'm I'm included. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, me included, like, when I got, like, up, up to about the age of 30, I, I still hadn't bought my own car. Yeah. I was still like, okay, <laughs> I'll just get on uh, monthly payments then, I guess. Thanks. It's really good for us to say to Georgia sometimes, well, what do you think Katie would do? Because Katie didn't enjoy chemistry until her last year of high school. And then for some reason, she said she just sort of took to it and she had a really good teacher who made her love the lesson. And now that's yeah. just the way she's gone. And then I've, I've also been sort of careful to say to Georgia, I was like, look, I know Katie's doing sort of like, you know, super clever, intelligent chemistry things now. I said, but in three years, she might want to do something completely different. I said, and that's fine. I said, don't. And I said, don't be like fixated on, I have to do this one thing. I have to do this one thing. You want to do something? Do it as to the best of your ability, as, as hard as you can. But if it doesn't work, that's fine. You can always do something else. You can always start again. But I do think it's been really good for Georgia having somebody to look up to, to that we can say, look at this girl, look what she does. Yeah, it's, it's important for them to have that kind of role model, I think. And... and- the, the kind of the culture around them to encourage that as well. Because certainly in some kind of classes, in some cultures, that that kind of thing is not a good thing. It's not what you would push your kids to do. And it's not yeah. what that, that kid's peers would encourage them to do either. You know, the, there's a big thing within certain kind of working class uh, environments where people wanting to better themselves are actually brought down by the people around them, whether that's family, whether it's friends, because it it's very much seen to be that that's like 
the nerdy thing to do or the geeky thing to do or why, why are you doing that? Why are you trying to make yourself better? Are you saying you're better than me? Kind of thing. Luckily, I myself have never experienced that, which is why I managed to to get where I am. But I know it is a big thing. Yeah, for uh, sure. In in communities. And and that's why I think as as much as the individual themselves, a the child themselves, if they've got the intellect, yes, it makes things a lot easier for them. But even if they haven't, they should still be encouraged to better themselves as much as possible. Yeah, because absolutely. they will find that thing that just clicks with them and that they really engage with. Like with my, my eldest daughter, it's maths. She just it gets it instantly. For for my son, it's writing. Like some of the stuff he's written is fantastic. He's been published. He's got certificates for it and things like that. And we're always putting him forward into competitions. For Daisy, it's criticizing people on their weight, which still <laughs> is a prospective career. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, she might end up being like a personal trainer or something like that. But uh, it, it's it's about <laughs> them finding what what works for them. And you need to be there and encourage them to pursue it, even if it's not to meet a target necessarily that you think they should meet. See, I'm, ta- I'm talking myself out of the problems that I've talked myself into <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> so that's good. I'll, I'll listen back to this and go, ah, okay, I'll do that now and stop writing that's what I. That's what I should do. I understand. Yeah. It's like you're taking, you're taking advice. I, for one, can't wait to see Daisy work in the... Uh... Working the red carpet at the Oscars with Joan Collins. Yeah. All of us be of Joan Collins. <laughs> Another great reference Just, there. Fucking Joan yeah. Collins. Daisy <laughs> <laughs> and her withering red carpet put downs. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like Dennis Pennis. Do you remember Dennis Pennis? Oh my Back God. In the day. <laughs> Another great Jesus. reference. Oh, God. Fucking boomers. Fucking. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, now, is Dennis live... Penis boomer material, or is he kind of early millennial material? Oh, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. No, he can't be. He's Gen X because I'm Gen X. So he was like around when You're I was at Gen that X. age. To a... of course, I am. I'm I'm late Gen X. No, you're 1981. It's 1980 right? onwards. Is millennial. No, no, no. Do you know how I know I'm not a millennial? You're an early millennial, boy. No, do you know how I know I'm not a millennial? There's an easy test. I couldn't give two shits about Pokemon. That's how I know. (laughs) Millennials, Pokemon. No, that's true. I do not care about Pokemon. (laughs) I'm not a millennial. I am super late Gen X. Oh, God. There you go, you see. And that's the thing. That is a generation. Are you Generation Y? Who, uh, Dan, who would be be your starter beastie boy, then? (laughs) Who'd be my starter beastie boy? Ad Rock, surely. Ad Rock, yeah. That's the best choice. <laughs> you go, you see. I do remember that conversation me, Benny, and Sven had one time, and they said, can you even name five Pokemon? And I named Mewtwo, but I didn't know there was a Pokemon <laughs> called Mew, <laughs> which is, I just thought was hilarious. And I was like, I didn't know the two was like the next, like number two. The number I just two, thought yeah. it was like, sh- the Rookers are all like crazy names. I don't know. I think I could name four, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon, Pokemon is the cutoff point for millennials and Gen X. I, you know what? I, I think that is that is right. That is right because I, I'm 1982. So for me, that is has some importance to me. Yeah, not as much as it would be for like my brother, who's like 14 years younger than me. 
that's a huge thing, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, mm. Digimon, and all that kind of thing. But I was very much like, right, I'm a I'm a teenager, but I'm a teenager who is a bit of a weeb and likes cartoons. <laughs> so Pokemon's on <laughs> on SMTV Live. I'm gonna watch it while I also like fantasize about Cat Dealey. So it's best of both worlds. <laughs> I feel like Christ. Collect- I've not heard that name in years. I feel like collecting Pokemon cards in school was just like for me a natural follow-on of collecting football stickers. Because you still, like, you traded with people. Because the whole point of having Pokemon cards was to, like, battle them with people. But no one no one I know, at least, ever did it. You just, like, traded and swapped and what have you. And then, I guess, mm. being a younger person, no, instead of was... going to, like, a Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh, as you say, I went straight from Pokemon to Dragon Ball. That's what all the... That was the, my age. Yeah, see, for us, it was Pogs and Tazos were the big yeah, thing. Po- I yeah. had Pogs. I had Pogs when I was in uh, primary school. Oh, uh, yeah, Pogs was secondary school. We had like metal <laughs> slammers and things. Yeah, we had Tazos in secondary school. And you, yeah, there are crossovers. Obviously, you're going to get crossovers, yeah. aren't you? Right, but yeah, what, what just about... like it was weird. I never, I never went from stickers to Pokemon. Once I stopped collecting stickers, that was it. I've never, you I never swear, stopped collecting I never stickers. ever. Well, I never, yeah, I've never stopped collecting stickers. I still do <laughs> sticker books now. Yeah. I swear, I've never ever once in my life even seen a real Pokemon Pokemon card in the flesh. Oh, I've I never thought seen. You're just going to leave it there. A real Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> no, I've never seen. I've never even seen a real Pokemon card in the flesh. That's how little interest I had in Pokemon when I was younger. What about Georgia? Has she ever gotten into any collectibles or anything like that? Do you know what? She really hasn't. She went through a phase of collecting LOL dolls, which is just the absolute best landfill material on the planet. It's entirely oh. made of plastic, God. and she collected those for about. A year. Oh, they're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. She let them for about a year until she got one, and it was one she already had, and I immediately said, well, we're not getting any more of these then. <laughs> because I didn't realize I didn't realize that you didn't know what you were getting until you opened yeah. it. Yeah. So I was like, hang on a minute. This costs like 20 quid. So we're not getting any more of these because you've already got this one. You can't just swap <laughs> this because it costs 20 quid. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the point. So... I don't think she's ever yeah. collected, but Georgia likes Georgia likes to do the sticker books with us. So she'll sit with her mum or she'll sit with her granddad, and they will like they'll do the sticker books together. She likes doing that. See, no, neither neither of my kids. It's really weird. It's like there is, there is so much more potential collectible stuff there. Maybe it's just <laughs> they're, they're burnt out by it. There's like there's too much choice, so you can't have kids just focus on one thing. I think the only thing was like loom bands. The kids went mad for those. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Georgia did do loom bands for a bit as well, and she still, she's yeah. still got some now. So yeah, loom bands is a good shout. But again, I think that that kind of links into that whole like there is just so much content out there to consume. It's hard for them to be focused on one particular thing, one particular trend, because everything is so fleeting. Like it's the whole thing about memes, isn't it? That once a meme gets <laughs> onto Facebook or like someone over the age of 30 is aware of it, that meme yeah, is dead. dead. Yeah, and we really move on dead. to the next thing. And it's very much, I would imagine it's the same with like things like collectibles. I, I had loads of stuff that I like to collect, but like if I went into a shop now, like a toy shop, and had a look at all of the <laughs> tiny shitty bits of plastic that you could buy, I wouldn't know where to begin. I wouldn't know what is the in thing. Because there's about like fifty in things, and I just sound like fucking Grandpa Simpson now. I don't know what's in, and they keep changing it. 
<laughs> Old man yells at God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say your kids were uh, burnt out on Pokemon cards because I'm sick of you talking about them <laughs> <laughs> after 12 or 13 years yeah Sophie and Daniel are sick of Pokemon they've never even seen it before <laughs> they're just sick of yeah. Adam going on about it <laughs> yeah. Dad, I don't know oh lads I got this <laughs> see I, yeah Squirtle was one of the, one, the only ones I know I was going to say Squirtle that's the only one of the ones I, one of the four that I know Squirtle is anyway. best boy yeah it's the only one you need to know Especially the yeah, and that's only because I know Benny's a yeah, yeah Benny's a super fan. That's how I know Squirtle because he's got the cool sunglasses in the cartoon. He was yeah. like Chono. He was like Masahiro Chono. And when uh, Pokemon yeah. Go was all the thing, I called my Squirtle Chono just to to honor him. Uh, see, I was gutted with Pokemon Go because he was I I didn't get a sunglasses Squirtle, <laughs> so I quit the Pokemon Go. I was so <laughs> salty about it. <laughs> Because it's all I wanted. It's all I've been playing Pokemon Go like for years for was to get a fucking sunglasses Squirtle, <laughs> and I couldn't get one. So yeah, deleted it. <laughs> Never back on. Christ, <laughs> salt is real. All right, it is that time of show already. Adam, oh my god, it baby is. names and parenting advice. Ah, sorry, my dog just jumped up on me. Go away. That's not part of the theme tune. No, that's <laughs> not the, the new jingle. Oh, I thought that was this week's jingle. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Names of device. Uh, no, that is it. Now that's an, uh, ah, my dog jumped up on me, and I don't know which one to choose because his tail is in my face. Where should I go? What should I choose? I'll leave it to you. There you go. As of, as of always, okay. it's got to be names so, first. We're going the opposite direction from where we've gone before. We we've gone to uh, we've been in Britain. We've been in America. This time we're going east, and we're going to India. Namely, in Delhi, where a mum gave her newborn child a very unusual name. She's a heavily pregnant woman, and while she was in labour, she called for an ambulance, and one didn't arrive. So to get there, she used a private taxi service. On the way to the hospital, as is the trope, they became stuck in traffic, and she ended up giving birth in the back of the car. The, the driver of the car was an absolute star. He uh, pulled out towels from the seats, poured drinking water into a bowl, you know, helped the woman out. And the baby was born within a few minutes of them stopping and doing, getting all the preparations ready. And he was responding and the little lad was fine. Uh, the driver himself, uh, Shanawaz, quoted her saying, this was one of the happiest moments of my life. Uh, the mum, because she was so grateful, asked the driver, Shanawaz, to name her child. So he chose Uber. The name of the firm that he worked for, <laughs> for the child, which isn't the best name. <laughs> Maybe it means something in, in India, other than Uber. <laughs> the, See, the original, right, I like, think, German memeing. I don't I think know. There's a but... scam here by, no, I think there's a scam here by the mother. I think she's picked oh. that name on purpose to get free Uber rides for life. <gasps> That's what I think happened. I, oh. think, I think she said to the taxi driver... What what should I call my kid? And he just gave it, you know, a traditional Indian name. And she was like, "Oh yeah, great idea." And then went to the <laughs> job and went, "Yeah, he's called Uber." Yeah, <laughs> I think Uber's cool. And that's man. it. Free tax service for life. That 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 is something that happens, or at least happened. There was a big thing at the around kind of twelve, thirteen years ago when my mad eldest daughter was born. That if you went into labour in particular shops, yes. they would give you. Load, like loads of vouchers and care packages and stuff. And her mum and I were in 
Toys R Us at the time. This this was kind of August, so a co- couple of weeks before she was born. She was born in mid-September. She had her show, which is, for those of you not in the know, that's when some of the mucus plug kind of comes away from the cervix, What what's basically plugging all the amniotic fluid in and in the womb. It comes out of the cervix and kind of drops out, and sometimes it can have blood mixed in with it, which is called the show. And to us, that was like, oh shit, it's happening. Like, the water hasn't broken, but there's something happening. So we had to, like, because we didn't drive at the time, we we basically went to the counter and said, I need to use your phone. We need to bring a taxi to get to the hospital. And they were like, oh my god, she's having a baby in the store. And we didn't. It was just some of the show coming away, and it can happen a couple of weeks beforehand, but it just means everything is coming along and happening normally. So we went home, and we never went back into Toys R Us. And they ended up sending us a gift card with a load of money on it, which we then promptly went in and bought like loads of like new newborn toys and stuff like that for, for my daughter. And I, I honestly feel like we scammed them. And it wasn't intentional. We still did take the money and spend it in their store. And now Toys R Us has been bankrupted and is all closed down. And I do feel partially responsible for that. <laughs> No wonder they're giving out free cards to these people. <laughs> Jesus. Exactly. All, all these women going in, saying they're pregnant, having their show. I think, <laughs> I think the problem was, Adam, was that like this Indian woman, you went in and said, oh, this is my baby, Toys R Us. Ah, oh, isn't she lovely? <laughs> and they went, oh my God, have a gift card with loads of money on it. <laughs> yeah, this is my daughter, Jeffrey T. Giraffe. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I will never forgive you, Adam, for killing Jeffrey and living a smooth smythe instead. <laughs> It's all right. You've got that weird little boy off the Smith's Toys adverts. Smith about if he had a toy and stuff like that. If it were to be called Smith's Toys, it would smell it would smell Smith properly, not with a Y. It's Smith's Toys. That is true. I've been pronouncing right. it Smithies. Anyway, carry on. Advice. Smith's Toys. You mean Smithers? <laughs> Smithers Toys. Okay, Sorry. so going back to last week, we had. The, the infamous infamous origins of mummins. <laughs> mummins! <laughs> Yay, mummins. Shout out. Uh, and, and we're back with Walter Sackett, or Dr. Sackett, and his book, Bringing Up Babies, A Family Doctor's Practical Approach to Childcare. As I said, there, there is a lot to take out of this. Uh, so not only did he bring us the wonderful world of mummins, <laughs> But he also came up with the idea that when babies... Sorry, that's, that's, if, we, uh, birthday, if this ever hits it big and we have our own theme park, that's what I want it to be called. The Wonderful World of Mummins. <laughs> the Wonderful World of Mummins. The Wonderful World of Mummins. As, as you go in, our like, special like costumed <laughs> Mummins rabbit comes up and like vomits sweets <laughs> into your mouth. <laughs> so you can go and enjoy your, your time at the park. I mean, obviously, we're just storyboarding it at the moment. We'll work on that idea. Yeah, we need just a bit <laughs> of clear blue sky thinking. Mummins, after all. <laughs> so, Mummins so sounds Dr. like a Pokemon. <laughs> God, Mummins vomit. Uh, so, right. Dr. Sackett, he came up with the idea that babies should be weaned off any type of full-fat milk by their first birthday. So. Last week, we discussed in the book, he was saying babies could be weaned off breast milk very early on. But after that, obviously, you still want to include cow's milk so they can get the fats and the calcium. But by their first birthday, they should be weaned off any type of full-fat milk. And instead, 
and this is where we quote from the book, the youngster should be getting his liquids in the form of fruit and vegetable juices, soups, water, non-fat dry milk, all pretty self-explanatory, until you reach the last part of that sentence, which is the gradual introduction of tea and coffee. Now, introducing (laughs) coffee or tea to a child is a pretty stupid idea. We all know that. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Getting a kid all caffeinated up at any age is a big no-no. Even back in the 60s, which is when this book came out, this isn't like 150 years old. This This is 50, 60 years old. It was a bad idea. And Dr. Sackett himself knew this and even wrote in his book, don't scream when you find me recommending tea and coffee for babies. Yes, I know they contain caffeine and that caffeine is a drug. So already in his own work, he's defending himself saying, this is a bad idea because of the caffeine. I know it's a drug. Calm your tits. But the reason he put this in is because... Caffeine is also in Coke, and parents often give Coke to children. Tea and coffee is much healthier than Coke because it's got less sugar in it. And that was his whole rationale for saying caffeine is fine for kids because it gives them water and it doesn't have as much uh, sugar in it as all that Coke you're feeding them. So yeah, that's Dr. Sackett's advice. (laughs) I am stunned that Starbucks or Cafe Nero or whatever bullshit coffee shop you go to <laughs> hasn't got hold of this book and just started selling <laughs> baby cappuccino. I know they sell like I know you go to Wagamama, you get the um, is it the milkuccino, which are really cool, yeah. which is just a small hot warm milk with a bit of chocolate on top, which is great. Oh yeah, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the PR team from Starbucks haven't grabbed hold of this and if, gone with it. Yeah, exactly. They, this is recommended by doctor, not doctors. But recommended by doctor 60 years ago, but still recommended by doctor. Give your one-year-old this espresso to quench his thirst. Is, um, is, Don't worry I feel like I need to see... Is the Sackett's book, is, it, is the foreword written by uh, Coca-Cola founder John Pemberton, Pemberton <laughs> by any chance? <laughs> it's from Jeffrey Heroin, inventor of heroin for children. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Heroin. I feel like at this point as well, we should be seriously starting to question Dr. Sackett's credentials. I do want to see some evidence he's actually a doctor. <laughs> Not like Dr. Fox, like a real doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I'd never even look that up. It could be, a, you know, a doctorate in anything. could be a yeah, doctorate me... in, like, Coca-Cola mixology. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. So when Julian McKeith said she was a doctor, and she's not. No, <laughs> Like she's... that kind of thing. <laughs> see, that is the perfect job for Daisy. To just be the next Gillian McKeith and criticise fat people. Maybe I don't know. not poke around feel... in that poo. But... Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like poking around in shit and being a fake, claiming you're a doctor when you're not, might get her locked up in like some kind of asylum or something. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, all right. God, we've gone long again. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Like, favourite and subscribe. Smash that like button, ring that bell. Yeah, <laughs> plus help. All right. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, and, and next week is next week as well. I will uh, reveal the first crushes. I know. Oh, yes. I was just going to say that. Good idea. But yeah, we'll save that till next week. All right. Yes. Take care, everybody. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>